Yeah. Welcome to Dubpod. We'll be mostly talking about data, AI, and blockchain in the Kenyan space, tech space. We'll be interviewing interesting people, seeing what they're doing, what they've done, and their journey, basically, in tech and somewhat also in life. And for today, for the first podcasts, we'll be interviewing Paul. Yeah, Paul from Neural Labs, where... Yeah, we'll get to know more about Neural Labs and Paul and what they've been doing so far uh, in AI. Yeah, so Paul, just an introduction on yourself, what you've been doing. What is Neural Labs for those who don't know? Okay, uh, thank you, thank you for the introduction. My name is Paul Dirango. I'm a machine learning engineer at Neural Labs Africa, and I've been. I can say like I'm more of a tech enthusiast and. I've worked on a lot of deep learning projects and for me to get to where I am right now, it's been more of working on hackathons, more of deep learning projects and most of these projects I was working on together with my, one of, some of my colleagues. Um, we started working on deep learning projects on platforms like Kaggle, Zindi, um, which prompted us to like try and work on as many problems as possible and we came and encountered um, medical problems and medical um, data sets if I may say and we worked for different companies some of them are in Atlanta and we came to realize that there's a very huge gap in terms of use of AI in the medical space in Africa mm -hmm. and that's where we decided to start working on um, a project in the that had to deal with respiratory um, trying to identify respiratory infections using oh. AI. So this is mostly people with chest pains. Yeah. yeah yeah so we realized that most of these solutions were coming from Europe, America and probably Asia. Mm. So that's when we realized there's a very huge gap in terms of use of AI in medical field. And that's when this is in Kenya, you know. Yeah, in Kenya. So that's when we began working on some of them, like just as like random projects. Mm. Uh, so basically, I'd like to step a little bit back, uh, maybe, uh, because for this, the for guys in tech, there's these stories we have. Even when you read some books, you get guys who started in tech. They started at an early age, maybe a father bought or your mother bought you a computer or maybe you saw something in a movie. So what would you say was your first spark into tech? Um, I, I can say like my first interest in tech, um, actually it wasn't like directly like I got to work on a computer, but I was just walking around in town. I think I was around 10 years old. And I happened to see like a cyber with a lot of computers. So for me, like I wanted to know what is this. What's happening there? Huh? Yeah, what's happening there? So when I transferred to a different school and I came to realize that they have a computer laboratory, that's when like my interest grew. Like okay. grew yeah. yeah. So I had I approached my dad and told him like we have this computer lab, mm. and I'm really interested in computers. So funny thing, he only paid for one. One term, 
but that one term was enough to like to spark everything yeah. into computers mm. so when i got to high school now that's when um i started like picking up in tech yeah i'd also say uh, not a similar story but maybe during that time they didn't see the value in entering into that tech space because also for me I remember when baby was telling my dad about ah, I need a laptop I need this and that is ah, this you don't need it right now you just focus on your books focus on here but right now I see I can see there's a change in Africa also whereby parents are really encouraging their kids to get into tech yeah, so that's a really good story and maybe from there maybe high school university how did you progress maybe into tech or did you go because there's some guys also go into something else maybe went to medicine did it maybe for your parents <laughs> then uh, when you finished the degree you gave them then you shifted back to tech was it a similar story or just follow through so for me it was more like i was really interested in like tech mm. but in high school i didn't get the opportunity to to work on anything mm. tech related because mm. i didn't have the resources and our school like if you are not in a particular class school didn't do computer yeah. so like i had to wait until i completed high school mm. and then when i go to university now that's when i started like working on technology projects mm. but i used to when i as early as primary school mm. um the little money i used to get like i used to go to a cyber and start like trying out different things even though like most of the part I was playing games yeah but I think, that I think contributed a lot yeah, that's also a similar story because I used to also do that there's this uh, two games you play with the mouse or the mini keypads especially for racing games and this is so other one Tekken I don't yeah, know if you played also PTA yeah. yeah so yeah. I think that's where I began like learning more about computers even before um, I got to high school Okay, so okay, uh, you've talked about Zindi and Kegel. Uh, I, I know Zindi is an African one, and Kegel, Kegel, I think, is more global. What would you say? Such no, but before that, before that, maybe you can talk about competitions you've entered and maybe what you've achieved from them, you've learned from them, and maybe the importance of people, especially if you're getting into tech, going. Uh, or entering challenges or hackathons. Maybe you can speak a bit on hackathons you've gone to and the importance of what those hackathons teach you. So for me, getting into hackathons actually was, it wasn't easy because yeah. most of these hackathons, if you just look at the problem they're trying to solve, it just looks like something you can't solve alone, especially when you're getting into the machine learning field. Mm-hmm. So. It was actually pretty easy for me to get into hackathons because I had friends. Like, mm. we'll get into hackathons as a team mm. of two or three people, which made it easier because even if you don't have a clue what you're doing, someone else, someone else, have someone else knows, yeah. yeah. And I can say, actually, three of my first hackathons, we didn't actually submit anything. We were just there to look at what people are doing. Mm. And... That's when we now got the confidence to, like, we've been joining these hackathons and we've never submitted anything. The first one is because we didn't have the knowledge to, like, just a the trial and error. Yeah. But then when we submitted our first um, submission of the hackathon, mm. 
we didn't like get a good position, but at least we submitted something. Mm. So I think that's where uh, the confidence came came from. So from there, um, after doing like a couple of projects, I got the confidence to now even join hackathons alone mm. and make my own submission. Within the course of the hackathons, like now that's when you get like other people who are saying like, mm. let's work on this thing together and see what we can build. Wow, nice. Um, you've talked about confidence, and maybe this maybe is also something that I've, I've come. I'd say come across, or also maybe like it's a personal thing. Maybe I also go through. How do you overcome maybe that feeling of imposter syndrome? That you're not good at something, or maybe you're not. Or you see, if you're entering into competition, you see guys who are, their code is good, uh, their documentation is good, and you're feeling maybe left out or not uh what's the word like this is not your level how do you maybe overcome such things when you whenever you are endeavoring in maybe the competitions or in your business hmm. so i don't think like you can say like you're the best in anything because mm-hmm. as much as um, one of the principles about this followed is whatever you're doing, there's probably someone doing better than you somewhere. So if you want to, the way I usually um, handle these issues or situations is like I try as much as possible not to work alone. So the moment like you start working alone, that's now when the imposter syndrome comes in. But as long as you're working with people, mm. now it won't be like um, I'm trying to solve this, so I'm competing against a certain person. It will be more of like we're trying to come up as a group to come solve and something. solve something. Mm. So it's not like I'm trying to compete against the people in the hackathon. It's like mm. trying to come up the solution. So everybody's input is going to be taken into account. Mm. So at the end of it, it's not like what I'm doing. It's about what we are doing together. Yeah, together. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's also interesting because uh, whenever you're working with a team, but this also it's two sided because some teams, some team members can be, uh, they not have that team zeal or team spirit to work with other guys. Yeah. So also finding the right people to work with can be something that you need to balance. Actually, for every success of a project, I think the getting a good team that's the most important thing. Mm, who are who have the same goal? Yeah, uh, not to achieve the same thing. Uh, so yeah, for neural labs, building a team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How did it come about? Um, so for neural labs, it wasn't like we went out and started looking for yes. data scientists or mm. machine learning engineers. It was more of like I had worked with my co-founder for quite a while yeah. on different projects, not just the healthcare project. Yeah. Um, so we actually met with him while we were doing um, data science course in a bootcamp. Yeah. And from there, like we've been working on multiple uh, projects. Multiple projects. Yeah. So we already had built that relationship and it was easy to work with him for this particular project. So we actually built the first solution as part of a hackathon, mm. which we eventually emerged as the winner. And using that money that we got from that hackathon, we decided to like, let's use this idea and create something that can impact people's lives. And that's how Neurolabs is born. Mm. Nice, nice. 
so from 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 then that moment of deciding let's let's do this like after the hackathon because most people after a hackathon just ah you've won or you've lost you just go your own way yeah. from the moment you decided to start uh neural labs as something legit how has the journey been like what has been the challenges you'd say uh, also considering that most people uh maybe they're focusing mostly on employment because the risk of entrepreneurship is a bit hard but considering if you're starting a business you you really have to find a way how you're going to make money so how has that journey been so far and maybe what would be your encouragement to people who are either thinking they have a business they can start or they can look for employment um so for me i feel like um if you want to do something just do it risk just like do something just do it um because like if you wait until you have the right moment the right resources you never, you'll never start yeah. so for us it was more because he was working for a company in the US but remotely mm-hmm. i was working like a totally different job from tech <laughs> so it, i think it was more like um we just trusted in what we were doing and we put our minds to it and just quit our jobs. Mm. So we went like for six months without any pay or anything. So it was more of the passion we had for what we were doing. Mm. So if it was not for that passion or maybe like that drive to have... to do this, yeah. would have probably I would have quit like a long time ago. Yeah. But it wasn't easy because like you need to pay bills, you need yeah. to you have like bills to to pay at the end of the month and i think that also is something people really really yeah consider because with a job there's that security of you know next month i won't have to worry about maybe paying my bills and all that yeah huh. so for us i think it was more like we were not yet comfortable in the jobs we we had, mm-hmm. we had at that time so it was a bit easier so it was a bit easier like leaving the job mm. but then after leaving the job Three months down the line, four months down the line, now that's when it hits you, like I need something to... What did I do? Yeah. Yeah. And at the same time, you're still trying to like look for funding. You're still not built like a good MVP. MVP, Yeah. Yeah. So I'll say like, why not for us doing like side jobs and stuff like... Just side hustles too. Side hustles, yeah. To keep up. So maybe what would be your encouragement to, to guys who are thinking about... Uh, maybe journeying into the tech space and um, before that maybe you can advise you can talk a bit about AI your interest in AI maybe not, why did you not go to maybe software development you went to the AI and machine learning and deep learning space so yeah just talk about those two and why you chose AI okay so my interest in AI came when I was still in campus yeah. Um, actually started as a software developer um, for like learning Android, Android development. Yeah. But then um, when I looked into AI, it seemed like a quite interesting field because every single thing you are doing, um, every single project is unique. Every single project mm-hmm. is something new you are learning. Mm-hmm. So, and for me... The challenges also are always... Yeah, mm-hmm. and the challenges, like it has a lot of challenges. And also like this was a new field, mm. new technology, new field. So for me, um, it was more like I was trying to explore like something new, something quite interesting. Mm. 
and the fact that you can just think of something and replicate it uses replicate it using AI yeah. that for me was like enough to get me started into AI mm. for me I was looking at like developing Android apps and stuff yes it's a totally interesting field to all its own software developer yeah but my interest was more into trying to come up with something like probably nobody has ever done it or mm. doing it in a different way yeah. so that's how I started getting into AI. Yeah, machine learning. Yeah. So what do you think, uh, because I'm also in that space of data and AI, what do you think, because also with every new technology, you can say it has its challenges, it has its benefits, and also it has its misuses. Because uh, I can give an example, uh, maybe with the advent of internet, people started creating viruses and they were sending them through mail. So that would be a disadvantage of that time period when the internet came. What do you think is a disadvantage of AI? Um, I think um, AI has like a lot of disadvantages, but some of them like it's more of people. Um, it's more of misconceptions of AI because mm. if you look the at movies, <laughs> yeah. So like. Regardless of like you can solve any any problem in AI, it doesn't mean that that's a problem that has to be solved. Oh, sure. Yeah, so if you look at it like more of the business wise, uh, you can use AI to solve like endless problems, but the disadvantage of it is um, like not not every problem has to be solved mm. using AI. Um, another thing is like most of these problems like they need data and data doesn't come easy mm. so you can say like to solve a problem using ai like um there are a lot of factors that come into it especially when you're solving it for a business case mm. but if you're doing it for fun then like you can just play around with, on, yeah. yeah you can just play around with ai try and see what you can come up with but if you look at it in the business perspective um, most of these problems actually don't need AI. So I think, yes, AI is good, but it's more anything. of a balance, trying to find a balance where you can use AI for good and also where you don't need to use AI. It's not a master. Because maybe there's, for other companies, they really like to follow the hype. Yeah. So you get a company, they see there's this hype in either AI, in either blockchain, and they really want to jump into the bandwagon maybe to get new customers etc yeah so you get they say they've they're using AI in their products but two okay. three years later you get to find out ah it's just guys or just if statements that yeah. were using to pretend that it was AI True. yeah and for neural labs what do you think uh, you're solving or n- not necessarily what do you think or what do you aim really to solve maybe in the next coming three years or five years or what is what is your challenge mm-hmm. and what do you aim to really solve in the next coming five years our biggest challenge i would say it's we are in the healthcare space mm-hmm. so it's definitely not easy mm-hmm. trying to come up with solution in the healthcare space mm-hmm. another thing is getting access to data and quality data mm-hmm. so you can just give an example of maybe poor the data you get maybe and the quality. Yes. 
Yeah, so the nature we deal with is more chest X-rays, MRI scans, yeah. CT scans. And if you look at most of these data are generated from various hospitals, various radiology labs. Mm. And these organizations or these uh, institutions are not ready to give data for free. Obviously. Yeah, so collecting the data is not easy. In terms of because also these things on data security and all. data security, data yeah. privacy, making sure that patient data, patient information is not exposed mm. to anyone. Mm. So that's where like um, security comes in. Yeah. So as much as you're trying to solve a problem in AI, like you need to consider like this data that we're using to train our AI, yeah. we don't need to expose patient information, yeah. and patient information comes in with the data that we collect. So it's more about looking the at catch twenty two. Yeah, looking at it more of collecting quality data. So by collecting quality data, that means the data itself is quite huge. Mm. So you're dealing so with it's... a huge size of mm. data, and also like uh, when training the our our AI models, like it's not like training a model on a notebook and that's it, you're done. Mm. Like there's a lot that goes into coming up with the, such solutions. We need to get medical practitioners on board, working with them, mm. making sure that the data has been well labeled mm. and the models that we come up with, they have to be validated. So it's more of working with medical practitioners in coming up with this, this type of solutions. Mm. Also, be probably creating an end-to-end solution no? from where you collect it, yeah. where you store it, and uh, the predictions you do. Yeah. Uh, okay. So so far, uh, for neural labs, what interesting stories? Maybe just give one or scenarios of whatever you you're building has helped you. Um. So, I'll give a scenario like two months ago. Mm. We we were part of a program in Dakar, Senegal, yeah. and so when we went there, we were just going for an accelerator program. Mm. But we figured out that why would we come such a long way and just go back to a country without having any value? Mm. So that's when we started approaching. Um, we started approaching institutions around the country, and Dakar. luckily enough, yeah. Luckily enough, we were at the right time mm. with the right solution because the Ministry of TB, mm. Ministry of Tuberculosis, was having like a, a screening program oh, in a okay. month after we just arrived in Senegal. Um, yes, it wasn't easy because Senegal is a French-speaking nation and none of us could speak French. Yeah, so. We had to like get interpreters, which was courtesy of the accelerator that had sponsored us to go to, to Senegal. Mm. And we managed to carry out screening program for people who are suffering from TB. Mm. Mm. So at first it wasn't like easy because like you come up with a solution, you don't know how it works. We, we had not yet put it into like trials, mm. but luckily enough, the the solution was able, like we were able to use the solution for the screening program mm. quite successfully mm. and we actually got to get partners in that part that part mm. of the continent yeah. Yeah. yeah so how was senegal 
Ah, it was fun. Or, or, or just how, how was going to another country maybe for the first time? It was the... interesting, fun at the same time. Yeah. And quite challenging, especially in oh, terms the language. of the language barrier. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So, yeah, maybe you can have final thoughts and maybe just a word of encouragement to guys who have not yet entered into the tech space. Um, just say like um, you don't need a lot. Mm. Um, yeah, before <laughs> even if you go on, because that that's something most people struggle with because they yeah. think ah I need to have this I need to have that maybe to start with the problem I want to solve. But for you, what I've seen is you just use whatever you had you used whoever you had there who can help you yeah. to build what you've done so far. Mm. Um, I'll just say like I'll just go back to what I said earlier. Um, don't wait to have the right time, the right resources. Mm. Just use whatever you have. If you have a laptop, internet, just start with that. Very good. Yeah, and never work alone. Mm. Because if you want to achieve something, you shouldn't work alone. Because mm. in my AI journey, I think I've achieved a lot by working with people. If I'm learning something, mm. um, I learn, I'm learning with someone. Or I'm, uh, I look for someone who's done it before. So that a I, bit I, more knowledge on it, huh? Yeah, so that I can reduce the time it will take me to learn. Yeah, from from the ground up. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe last thoughts where they can reach neural labs, uh, social media, either YouTube, BTC. Uh, so we are on LinkedIn at Neural Labs Africa, yeah. and our offices are located at West Park Towers, tenth yeah. floor, uh, Westlands. Okay. So, so thank you. That was thank Paul you. from Neural Labs, and see you next time. See you next time. See you next time. See you next time.